Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I know that while we send our prayers and our love, we also, with each day, renew our commitment to the urgency of now and the ability that we have collectively, all of us in it together, to do something about it. May God bless you and may God bless America. Thank you all. For years, our nation and many of us have discussed, have lamented, have talked about the threat of climate change. For years, we debated the potential impact that climate change could have on our communities, on our country, and our world. And today, we know the impact if folks weren't clear about it before. Just watch the evening news and see that the time for debate is long past. <laughs> climate change has become a climate crisis, and a threat has now become a reality. In recent days, deadly floods have swept through Missouri and Kentucky, washing away entire neighborhoods, leaving at least 35 dead, including babies, children. As has been reported, four children from one family. So the devastation is real. The harm is real. The impact is real. And we are witnessing it in real time. You announced today, if I could just ask you real quick, um, you have enormous respect for the Supreme Court. What's the point of the Supreme Court if DOJ is going to go around and, and, and do these kinds of things? Will there be other states like this, you think? I'm not sure what you mean by what's the point of the Supreme well, I mean, Court. What, um, I, can, I could give you a dis long discussion on yeah, the point of the Supreme for a while. Court. But, yeah. but if, if DOJ is going to go around but the Supreme Court... And this is not in any way going around the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that each state can make its own decisions with respect to abortion, but so too can the federal government. Nothing that the Supreme Court said said that the statutes passed by Congress, uh, such as EMTALA, are in any way invalid. It's quite the opposite. The Supreme Court left it to the people's representatives. EMTALA is a decision made by the Congress of the United States. The Supremacy Clause is a decision made in the Constitution of the United States. Federal law invalidates state laws that are in direct contradiction. This has really nothing to do with anything that the Supreme Court said, and certainly nothing to do with going around the Supreme Court. Question. Yes, Senator. Simultaneously, while violent terrorists are threatening pregnancy centers, we also have had 
protesters at the homes of Supreme Court justices night after night after night. Now, I believe protesting at someone's home where your spouse sleeps, where your children sleeps, is inherently threatening. It is designed to be threatening. And we know the violent rhetoric with the encouragement of Democratic members of Congress resulted in at least one deranged individual traveling from California to Maryland to attempt to murder Justice Kavanaugh. Now, as it so happens, Congress has addressed this issue. It's passed 18 U.S.C. Section 1507, making it a crime to protest at the home of a Supreme Court justice while a case is pending. Night after night after night, these protesters committed federal crimes on national television. Why has the Department of Justice refused to enforce 18 U.S.C. Section 1507? Senator, very recently, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Maryland, in fact, has prosecuted a defendant for unlawful conduct in front of the home of one of our Supreme Court justices. So one person? To date, uh, there has been one prosecution. And what about the date. hundreds of others? Uh, All of whom have violated the law on the face of it. It's not complicated. The law is very clear. Why does the Department of Justice pick and choose which laws to enforce, which criminal laws to enforce, and why does it seem to exactly follow the pattern of the partisan preferences of the Biden White House? Uh, again, Senator, politics should play and does not play any role in our prosecutorial decisions. What I will also add is that our attorney general has increased the U.S. Marshal Service's resources. But that why are brought has there to been only one prosecution under Section 1507? Why have there not been any others? Senator, does the department believe the law is unconstitutional? And if not, why are you refusing to enforce it? Respectfully, Senator, I disagree that we've chosen not to enforce it again. There has been one prosecution of a out defendant. of hundreds. What about the, the rest of the hundreds? Senator, again, I cannot comment on the, the current uh, status of potential investigations in this area. Final question. Was the one prosecution you referenced a 1507 prosecution or was it something else? I don't believe it was under that statute. So you haven't brought a single one? Again, the, I believe the conduct itself was the focus of the prosecution. that Well, you raised I think you need there. to follow the law. From day one, when uh, when the Supreme Court made this extreme decision uh, to take away a, a constitutional right, uh, it was an unconstitutional unconstitutional action by them, a right that was around for almost 50 years, a right that women had to make a decision on their bodies and how they want to start their families. No, today I'm signing the second executive order I'm about to sign that responds to the healthcare crisis that has unfolded since the Supreme Court overturned Roe and that women are facing all across America. Healthcare crisis is, you know, it's just it's hard for me to even understand how they think this. Healthcare crisis is women can't get, can't choose, can't get an abortion even in the case of incest, even in the case of rape. But it goes beyond that. For a lot of women who take prescriptions prescribed by their doctors and been taking for some time for other conditions, for arthritis, for epilepsy, for Crohn's disease. And in many cases, these prescriptions are not being filled. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast, episode 618. It is the 4th of August, year of our Lord, 2022. And I love the intro. You got babbling, 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 babbling. It's unconstitutional. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And then you see him literally signing 
an executive order that is against the Hyde Amendment because they really don't care. At this point, I do a breaking news, but a good thing happened. And before I go deep in the show, let's play some good sound bites. Well, the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, in a round of appearance, appearances earlier today, described Zawahiri as an active strategic threat to U.S. national security, someone who was very involved in setting the direction of the operations. And what's important here, Errol, is if you think back a decade when Zawahiri took control of the al-Qaeda franchise, he really went deep into hiding. There were rumors swirling that he was dead, yet here he is less than a year after the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, feeling so emboldened that he's living in a safe house in downtown Kabul, a part of the city I know from my reporting is just a stone's throw from the former U.S. embassy as well as the presidential palace. So I think it really encapsulates how al-Qaeda and its leadership has been very resilient over the years, but I think in the last year since the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, really emboldened in this partnership with the Taliban. Tonight, that no matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. John, something you just said is not consistent with what we were told last year. You're saying that you've always known there was a small number of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. President Biden said, what interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point with al-Qaeda gone? Yeah, I mean, in a major way, al-Qaeda was not playing. A, no, wait, let me let me finish. They weren't playing a major role uh, in in operations uh, or resourcing or planning in Afghanistan. But Peter, I, I know specifically because I was at a different podium a year ago and we talked about the fact that Al-Qaeda had a presence in Afghanistan, but small and not incredibly powerful or, or, uh, or potent. And I think, again, without getting into numbers, we would still assess that to, to be the case. John, something you just said is not consistent with what we were told last year. You're saying that you've always known there was a small number of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. President Biden said, what interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point? with al-Qaeda gone. Yeah, I mean, in a major way, al-Qaeda was not playing, uh, no, wait, let me, let me finish. They weren't playing a major role uh, in, in operations uh, or resourcing or planning in Afghanistan. But Peter, I, I know specifically, because I was at a different podium a year ago, and we talked about the fact that al-Qaeda had a presence in Afghanistan, but small and not incredibly powerful or, or, uh, or potent. And I think, again, without getting into numbers, we would still assess that to, to be the case. Repeatedly said that we oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side. We have said that we do not support Taiwan independence. And we have said that we expect cross-strait differences to be resolved by peaceful means. We have communicated this directly to the a Democratic president did this, not a Republican. Mm -hmm. Just like a Democratic president took out Osama bin Laden. A Democratic president got us out of Afghanistan and is standing up to Russia by supporting Ukraine instead of withholding aid. I, I you know, this is, this is what a president is supposed to do. Nobody knew anything about it except the people who needed to know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how this is supposed to work. Well, I think when you refer 
to the fact that it's these are Democrats that are doing it. You know, the take always is Democrats are weak, um, Democrats are averse to war, um, Democrats um, won't do this kind of thing. And, and I think that does, in a sense, change the perception about Joe Biden. And I read an article, I believe it was in CNN, uh, on CNN.com, that talked about how specific Biden was, how granular he was mm -hmm. when getting the intel and, and making sure that this was the right move because he wanted to make sure no civilians were hit. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows you that not only is he a strong leader, he's a compassionate one, right? Yeah. And I think we need that as well. I just wanted to point out that when Obama took out Osama, uh, his ratings rose to 52%. He, was, mm. he did very well immediately, and that lasted for about five weeks. Um, but people like Mitch McConnell and Sarah Palin and um, uh, Ransom, remember Reince Priebus? Palin thanked the troops at the time, no word for Obama. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Rick Santorum, remember him? What happened oh, to him? Yeah. Um, he made a statement, all those involved for this historic triumph. So they could not bring themselves to thank o Obama for that. And I wonder, you know, what does this mean? It felt like he was kind of taking a bit of a victory lap today. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Lindsay, a victory lap. And, and frankly, as Martha was saying, there seems to be a little bit of we told you so uh, coming from the president and certainly senior administration officials here. Look, they uh, they were criticized pretty heavily, of course, for the botched withdrawal that we all covered in depth uh, about a year ago at this time. In fact, the timing of this is noteworthy. It was about a year ago right now that President Biden had started to uh, pull troops out of Afghanistan. And at the time, the White House faced, uh, faced very serious criticism from uh, from many across this city and beyond uh, that's basically saying that they wouldn't be able to continue to get intelligence if American troops were not there on the ground uh, and in that region. And at the time, they said that would still be possible despite this criticism. And you're, you are hearing uh, from the administration right now, from senior administration officials who say, look, this is proof that uh, you don't need American troops on the ground and in harm's way in Afghanistan uh, in order to get this intel, like, like you're seeing come out of the White House right now. But the timing of this tonight, Lindsay, is worth noting. This time last year, President Biden was pulling troops out of Afghanistan. At the time, the White House faced pushback, frankly, for saying that it would continue to be able to hunt down and track terrorists down in Afghanistan after American troops were gone. Lindsay, they have shown tonight that that is still a possibility. So there are many layers to this story. On the on one hand, it shows the absolute arrogance, overconfidence of the Taliban. U.S. troops left less than one years ago, one year ago, and they left with this promise that the Taliban would never allow al-Qaeda to come back in the country, that they would never allow a future Osama bin Laden to launch attacks from there. That was the deal. Critics say the fact that he was right there in downtown Kabul, as Senator James Inhofe put it, reflects the total failure of the Biden administration's policy towards that country. Your response? As you well know, it was just about one year ago that the president ordered all U.S. forces out of Afghanistan. And within months, it appears that the leader of al-Qaeda was able to move right back in in downtown Kabul. Does this signal to you that Afghanistan has once again become a safe harbor for terrorists? To put a fine point on it, do you believe the Taliban government knew that Ayman's al-Zawahiri was living there? And what will you do, if anything, to hold the Taliban government accountable, if so? Here you have a terrorist, the leader of al-Qaeda, living in Kabul. So the Biden administration is trying to...
say that this was a huge success, that it proves that there's no need to keep American troops in Afghanistan because, as the administration has been saying from the start, if there is a problem, if al-Qaeda starts to reconstitute itself in Afghanistan, the United States, with drones and intelligence assets, can carry out these so-called over-the-horizon strikes from afar, uh, from, from a great distance, like it did uh, over the weekend. But it also raises the question, why was the top leader from al-Qaeda in Afghanistan anyway, less than one year after U.S. troops pulled out. It shows that the Taliban are extremely confident, arrogant, one might say, and that they are not concerned at all with keeping their promise to the United States that they would not allow al-Qaeda to re-enter the country. Not only did they allow al-Qaeda in, they allowed the leader to, uh, to live in. It is fantastic that fucktard is dead. Remember, this guy was the mastermind. Now, he wasn't Soleimani, who was part of 600 fucking IED, 600 soldiers killed from IED. And the media didn't approve of that. But because it's a Democrat again, it's good. Now, understand, he was staying in Kabul, where the Western press used to be. And it's rumored that he literally was staying at a New York Times contributor's house. But because he's a Democrat, you have Politico. The killing of al-Qaeda leader al-Zahiri marks what the White House hopes will be a turning of the page on presidency's darkest day, when that could aid a potential Biden revival. Yet the polling shows it did nothing. Nothing. It's literally re-edited. Noam Bloom can't believe Alman Al-Razahiri was staying at the home of a New York Times contributor, Sojinan Haqqani. You think I'm joking? Good joke. Everybody laugh. Roll on snare drum curtains. What we, the Taliban, write. That op-ed that pissed people off, that was written by him. And that's where he was. They also went on another tirade, bringing up that, remember, when President Trump killed Soleimani with the same type of drone strike and Joe Biden yelled and screamed that it was wrong and he would never do something like that. John Fuselage, remember Soleimani planned the 9-11 attacks in the U.S.? Oh, wait, no. That was Al-Zahiri in Afghanistan. Soleimani never attacked the U.S. And then, of course, it's not true. So they butt-trumped it, and this is my president, and it's the same thing with the left. They really don't care about foreign policy. They really don't care about terrorism. They just care about their power. It led to articles why some terrorist deaths mean more than others. What we know about the killing of Soleimani, and the tone wasn't very exciting but as you heard with kirby and all them who didn't even support nancy pelosi going to taiwan one of the first things nancy pelosi's ever done that i actually agreed with we gave him the whole country what did you think was going to happen what do you think it's going to be a terrorist haven it is just what happens when you leave countries unattended and over the horizon isn't that good.
We got him, but we don't know anything else. I'm sure the CIA still has contacts and we're getting some intel, but it would be it's a big difference from leaving a base that we always own, like Bagram. With shooters on the ground. And just giving the country back. That's a big difference. A huge difference. The media, per usual, and I want to get this up front so it doesn't get buried. Reuters literally fact-checked a meme. You know, thank you for welcoming us here today. And Secretary Cardona and uh, Mayor Bowser and Chancellor Farabee. You know, thank you for joining us as well. And for families across the country, you know, the school year. Clearly that was a meme. We know it's a meme. But this is what you do when you're part of a party. You correct everything. You defend the littlest things. I mean, President Pudding Cup still has COVID. It's not long COVID. He tested negative and he got COVID again. And because the AP briefly talked about his wake of having it, traveling, then coming back and coming out of quarantine and then testing positive and then going back into quarantine, that that broke CDC protocol. He got attacked. And then the article stopped. You, you don't hear any more articles. But he had to come out of quarantine because his base is so obsessed with abortion, they're losing their fucking minds. So he had to write an illegal against the Constitution. Not the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. But federally funded Medicaid abortions is illegal by the Hyde Amendment. It has always been a policy to accommodate all the views of America, not the short one. And I don't want to hear about Kansas. I'm not even covering Kansas. Kansas was deceptively done. They made it sound like people could never get abortions, so they voted to have abortion legal. But it didn't fulfill what the left wants, which is abortion till college. That's not a thing. For most Americans. But, you know, hey, CDC protocol, abortion's important, man. And once again, we're interviewing the FLOTUS. And the FLOTUS is saying, I don't think people understand how much stuff we've done and whining and my God in heaven. You haven't done anything good. You haven't done anything good. The economy's garbage, even though your water carriers aren't going to hear it. But before I play the water carriers, I really want to play this soundbite by Eli Mistal. There was a comment yesterday on the five. My wife watches The Five, so Harold Fuller Jr. got on there and said that Ron DeSantis can't be president if he doesn't want to go on The View, a show that has no redeeming qualities. It is red meat for liberals. There's fine, there's Republican versions of it, but to say you have to go on there and suffer the attacks of a bunch of old hands who literally talk like this Eli Mistal to be president was the most absurd thing ever, and I actually tweeted him. I like him. I would vote for Harold Fuller Jr., 
I think he's a common sense Democrat. But the rhetoric gets ramped up so high that a Republican says one thing and it's just, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Every Republican has to answer it. But this dude, this is some racist shit a close election in Georgia because Walker is has the backing of the Republicans. Now you ask why are Republicans backing this man who's so clearly unintelligent, who so clearly doesn't have independent thoughts, but that's actually the reason. Walker's right. going to do what he's told. And that's what Republicans like. That's what Republicans want from their Negroes to do what they're told. And Walker presents exactly as a person who lacks independent thoughts, lacks an independent agenda, lacks an independent of ability to grasp policies. And he's- Well, I mean, look, for a certain segment of the right, um, that's not the QAnon crowd. It's, they're smart people, or some of them are dear friends of mine. Hungary, which is this landlocked country of like 10 million people, is for them what Cuba or Sweden were to various aspects of the left mm-hmm. in prior generations. Mm-hmm. They're like this imagined glorious place where everything just works the way it's, it's supposed to, and that's why we need to become more like them here. And then you actually look at how Hungary actually works, and it's like, yeah, not really. Um, and Orban knows there's something about him that just pings the sweet tooth of the, of the sort of the intellectual um, authoritarian, curious right in America, and CPAC is basically an ATM machine. I love the Cuba parallel in terms of just fascination yeah. on the far left once upon a time. But in all seriousness, I mean, Orban just gave a speech in which sort of the, the mask fell off, mm-hmm. and um, one of his top aides left. I think we've got a clip of it. I want to just play that and get your reaction, mm-hmm. Issy. We are willing to mix with one another, but we do not want to become peoples of mixed race. So that's kind of given away part of the ghost there. Um, again, one of his top aides quit because yeah. she said this, this is just outright horrific. He warned that Europe was in danger of becoming a mixed race world, a trend he said Hungary had always resisted. We are willing to mix with one another, but we do not want to become peoples of mixed race, he said. Someone needs to give Orban a lesson in Hungarian history. Scholars have found that the conquerors who alighted on modern-day Hungary in the 9th century migrated from as far away as southern Siberia and were the genetic relatives of Central Asians. Now, I played two there. The other one was them actually deceptively editing a conservative leader that conservatives like from a foreign country to make it sound like he said what he didn't say. But the way Mistel talked about Herschel Walker, could a white person do that? Could you say those things? And then you have Ian Millshire, or Millheiser, literally writing an obituary for Alito. Sick journalist fantasize about Alito's death composes pre-written obituary for Supreme Court Justice. The Vox senior editor post is the latest harassment aimed at the conservatives on the Supreme Court. So, do I need to even ask, I mean, would this be okay if a Republican wrote about Kagan? Would that be okay? 
I don't think it'd be okay. I don't think you could write that. That's that's that rhetoric is dangerous. It gets people killed. Words are violence if you're conservative and you say it, but they're nothing if you're a Democrat. And it's just not these two cases. Here's our asshole of the week where clearly they they really have problems. Fuck you, asshole. You, asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. So, Michael, let me ask you, historically, what has happened after decisions like this? How do Americans typically react? Uh, They react in two ways. Number one, it can divide the country almost to the point of civil war. That's what happened in 1857. The Supreme Court did the Dred Scott decision saying basically black Americans are not people, and if you don't like slavery, deal with it, it's gonna be here forever. That led directly to a civil war four years later. Mid-1930s, the Supreme Court said to Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal, you can't get so involved in you know, trying to regulate the economy and other areas of private life, and struck down a lot of the reforms that Roosevelt had done. A lot of people were angry. This country was very unsettled. There were demagogues in the late 1930s. I think there's a very good chance we're going to see all this again, especially because something they didn't decide this week, the Supreme Court, but they did ominously announce, and that is they're going to take on a case during the next year that may give the uh, right to decide presidential elections much more strongly to state legislatures. There's a possibility that, I hate to say this, Alicia, there's a possibility that we may have seen our last fair and... Uh, I'm not going to let you go without asking you this. Australia election was a climate change election and that and and you talked about in order to get that political will um jay inslee tried to run a climate focused campaign and it didn't get off the ground why not you al gore why not me uh leading a climate uh, change presidential campaign in the future oh well thank you for uh, making the suggestion uh Uh, You know, I'm a recovering politician, and the longer I go without a relapse, the less likely one becomes. But the idea of climate change and making it the issue, would you like to see more presidential candidates do it? We begin tonight with a look back at what has been one of the most consequential and life-changing Supreme Court terms since the courts that overturned segregation and expanded women's rights. Only this court has done it all in reverse. Today was the last day that we heard from them this term, and actually, thank God. Because in the past month, the conservative majority has successfully weakened Miranda rights, kneecapped state gun safety laws, betrayed indigenous sovereignty, begun to dismantle the separation of church and state, and curtailed women's rights to privacy and liberty. And that was all before today. When in one of the court's final rulings this term, the 6-3 conservative majority effectively gutted the EPA's power to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from power plants that contribute to global warming. Now, make no mistake, these justices who swore under oath that they had no political opinions 
have proven that they very much do have a political agenda. And it all began back in 1991 with the contentious confirmation hearing of, just, of Justice Clarence Thomas. Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and Chief Justice John Roberts were all part of a team that was working for the Republicans during the recount battles in Florida, which culminated in the historic Supreme Court decision that the court majority was so embarrassed about. They wrote down that it should never be used as a precedent. Well, the embarrassment is gone. Gone is the concept of judicial restraint. And in its place is the made-up conservative philosophy of originalism. According to the Washington Post, taken together as a whole, the decisions mark, for now, the triumph of originalism, a radically conservative judicial philosophy that maintains that the only legitimate way to decide constitutional disputes is to ask how they would have been resolved when the Constitution was drafted. You know, at a time when no one except land-owning white males had any... So it's not just that Oath Keepers or Proud Boys can become the militia wing or the paramilitary wing of the party. The party itself is morphing into an extremist force. Republicans are doing something that is very dangerous to our society. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that as Americans. We must acknowledge that as journalists. Because if we don't, we're not doing our jobs. We cannot sit here and pretend like, well, you, Republicans, it's a, cut them a break. Let's, we want to hear whatever. They have a lot to answer for in this moment. A lot to answer for what happened with the former president of the United States why they allowed his antics to go on for so long, why he is not accountable, why they go along with it and don't say anything. They've got to answer for that. Why they are, whether you agree with abortion rights or not, why they have taken back a right that was, what the, you know, that was granted to uh, American women for 50 years. You have the inmates running the asylum, basically. You have the extremists, because I know there are Republicans who are sitting out there now going, oh, Don Lemon, that's not what we are. Maybe it's not what you are, but it's what your party has become. It is what you have allowed to happen. But there are Republicans who, I mean, we've had Tim Miller on here recently, mm -hmm. right? There are Republicans who will completely say, Don Lemon, you, you are correct. Yeah. The origins of that are just what you're you'll talking about. You'll have Adam Kinzinger, you have Liz Cheney, who will say it. You'll have Tim Duncan of, um, of you'll have the, the former, um, excuse me, the former Jeff lieutenant Duncan. governor, Jeff Duncan, the, the lieutenant governor of, of Georgia, who will say that. But there are very few Republicans who will say that. You cannot expect Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or, or Jeff Duncan to become Democrats no. overnight. They're not. They are Republicans. And you must allow them to be who they are. They just happen to be sober and smart. It is much easier to be the opposition party. So, you know, give the Democrats, oh, yeah. give the Democrats some grace. Governing is hard, especially when you have tiny margins. But. But that's the challenge for Democrats. They need to get on the same page because the Republicans yeah. are just going to hammer them with that. Well, we should also point out that in some vulnerable Democrats in these tough races are facing inflation numbers that are even higher than the national average. In Phoenix, Arizona, for example, the average was up 12 percent over the last year. And so this has been dominating conversations among vulnerable Republicans. Uh, Democrats and vul uh, Republicans are really seizing on this. They have spent twice as much on campaign ads as Democrats have really hammering Democrats over this issue. And when you ask Republicans, well, what is your plan for inflation? They don't really have a specific answer, but privately they say, we don't need to. We can just continually beat Democrats over the head with this. And, and so you have the conversations in Washington, which makes it really important to get out in the country, especially in a campaign year. CNN's Ryan Young is in Davenport, Iowa. Just listen to this trucker. Everybody in D.C. needs to wake up and just think of, like us, the small town guys. Like you said, trucking industry, at one point in time, everything in this tent was on a truck at some point. 
So they need to stop thinking of themselves and just start thinking of the smaller guys. I mean, small guys get you everything you need. Now, the gentleman said everybody in D.C. Everybody in D.C. That's uh, Gavin Disney there. Uh, he says everybody. But the problem for the Democrats is they're in charge. Right, right. They're in charge, but because of various issues, such as, you know, a few certain senators who don't want to get on board with the broader party's agenda, they really are kind of in this um, position where they feel like they can't do anything, even though they have all levers of power. And I think sentiments like the gentleman there show why you've seen all of these uh, polls recently that show the wrong track, right track uh, for, for the direction of the country being so high when it comes to the... We must wonder... Will this democracy survive? Well, a Yahoo News poll says no. But perhaps when you build a nation on stolen land with stolen labor, it was never going to be a republic we could keep. You know, you better look in your heart and determine whether you're a real American and you believe in the oath and you believe in what this nation stands for. Or, you know, plenty of room in Russia. Yeah, yeah. And their participation in America has nothing to do with the 245 years of democracy that they had, we have, we have had. They would rather do away with yeah. that 245 years and impose a dictator, you know, King yeah. Donald the first and it was uh, honestly quite frankly a democracy already flawed for a lot of, a lot of us uh, sure. I think uh, you know but that affirmative action you know who the biggest mm. uh, beneficiary is of affirmative action white yeah, women. white women you know exactly. so just when it, it gets taken to the streets you know I mean one side far out is far out, out armored um, compared to the rest of us and I do think that we could see droves of political violence um, happen just like we saw on January 6th particularly when you think about those state legislatures that are not as protected as the US Capitol I think it's kind of utterly ridiculous to even call him a hero. I This is my job, to show up here and host this show every Saturday. I'm not a hero for doing so. Mike Pence is not a hero for doing his job. It's quite utterly uh, ridiculous, to be honest. Um, yeah. the, I think the question, though, that we all want to know, because when I was looking at these images, I realized that these were billions of galaxies and yeah, stars that we're seeing. Right. And so it seems ridiculous that we would think we're the only life Absolutely. here. There yeah. has to be right. somebody else. And if there is somebody else if you know about some secret planet that you're trying to keep for yourself and not tell us like let me know because well, we're planning our escape route in this country right now i tell you um the lieutenant governor of florida or of georgia rather was on another network this week and was asked would he support herschel walker um and he said i strongly support a republican representing georgia in the senate they don't care they will take an idiot if they can make him their puppet and put him in the senate which is dangerous for us now to your point about um your your great-grandfather who served this country. I think a lot of the black soldiers who joined the army hoping that would gain them some respect in this country they were defending found that white supremacy was dif more difficult to topple than Hitler's army itself. Yeah. And There's a story about Congress and veterans out there that uh, you might have heard of. I'm just going to start by saying I've been making the political jokey make em ups for over 20 years now and I've never seen anything so baldly cynical and pointlessly malicious as this. If there are children in the room Tell them to age quickly and please vote. Because recently... Recently, both the House and the Senate overwhelmingly passed a bill called the PACT Act, which would expand health care coverage for military veterans who were exposed to toxins and burn pits during their service. That's something we can all agree on. If we're going to go to war, we have to take care of the warriors. Except that, 
Due to an administrative issue, the Senate had to re-vote on the bill. And this time, the bill was blocked because 25 Republican senators flipped their votes. And, like many Americans, I like to flip them in return. Why would Republicans screw over veterans on a bill that they previously voted for? Well, one theory is that they had their boxers in a bunch after Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer secretly negotiated a big climate deal. So screwing veterans might be political payback. Well, that would be some misdirected anger, GOP. That's like a quarterback saying, all right, huddle up. We're down 20. I just threw an interception, and the other team scored. Here's the play. I'm going to go sucker punch that old guy at the hot dog stand. <laughs> All right, slap grandpa on three. <laughs> of course, when it's a story this horrible, you know it's got to involve Texas senator and butthole all dressed up for his prostate exam. <laughs> Ted Cruz. <laughs> After blocking health care to veterans, Cruz was caught on camera walking up to Montana Senator Steve Daines and giving him a fist bump. I imagine there's some... Red states in a full-on offensive to roll back LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, and more. How they're doing it and why it could, it could get worse. And it's, it could get worse than it is now. We'll talk about that next. Listen, an expert, you know, you spoke, uh, spoke with said that division hasn't been this bad since the Civil War. What? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, uh, Don Kettle, who is former dean of the University of Maryland Public Policy School and author of many books on state-federal relations, says the only thing comparable to what we're watching now among the red states is what we saw in the backlash that developed in the South against Reconstruction in the decades mm -hmm. after the Civil War that ultimately led to separate but equal in Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896. I mean, I think what we are watching, as you noted, is a multi-front effort uh, by the red states with support of Republican-appointed judges and justices and the important blocking action of Republicans in the Senate uh, to roll back the rights revolution of the past six decades, uh, to move social policy sharply to the right on everything from abortion to LGBTQ rights to classroom censorship to book bans to voting, and at the same time, hobble the ability of either the federal government or their own local large metro areas, which are trending blue, to set a different course. It really adds up to, I think, uh, an effort to create a nation within a nation that is fundamentally rejecting many of the cultural, demographic, and economic changes reshaping America in the 21st century. Can you talk about this very strategic, years-long process to use the judicial system as a political tool? I mean, we all see it at the Supreme Court, but it goes way beyond that. Right. I mean, look, uh, you know, for, certainly in the career of uh, someone as emblematic as Mitch McConnell, there has been no higher goal throughout his entire career than pl and placing as many Republican judges and justices uh, on the courts as he could. We saw this pressure build up in the 1850s with the Dred Scott decision. We saw it build up again in the 1930s uh, when the Supreme Court blocked the New Deal, uh, original New Deal legislation. Uh, each case, there were escape valves that kind of, uh, you know, took took the fight in a different direction. Although to call the Supreme, the Civil War, an escape valve may be a, uh, you know, kind of a, a strange statement. Um, but I think that we are just heading for rising social and political tension yeah. as the as the red states try to, in effect, run the country it, from below. And it always um, happens when you try to expand rights for people who are, you know, not white. That's when it happens. Yeah. And I know it's a lot, 
But this is all the prepping the objective, making conservatives look like they're horrible human beings so that you can try to coerce people to vote the way you want them to. And it's it's unbelievable. Dangerous GOP shouldn't get fair coverage or grace. And it's all the same people over and over and over. I mean, John King's a middle-of-the-road guy. Give the Democrats some grace. Governing is hard. What? No, you told us they were the only people that could govern, that they were the adults, that once we got back to having them, everything would be normal again, and nothing's been normal. Nothing. They're even running stories that AOC is the Democrats' best shot against Trump in 2024. A bartender, Manchurian candidate, who was put together by a group to win elections. And it worked. I don't know what just happened. I think I pushed the button wrong. There we go. Hit it with my foot. There's no coverage that isn't biased now. Christian nationalists article, America's Under Siege from Christian nationalists. Hear how atheists can help fight them. Atheist? I mean, we can't even agree on inflation. You, you have, and this is their thing, uh, the San Francisco mayor, she doesn't feel the pain of inflation anymore because she, like many Americans, I have enough. I don't need any more. Wikipedia changes the definition of what inflation is to work with them and make them protected because you know words matter they all matter brian seltzer literally brought on paul krugman and this is how they think it works and it just it isn't bad anymore comedy's great because paul krugman said this it's the economy stupid so how should we cover it wisely? We've all seen the headlines. They're impossible to miss. The economy is slowing, declining, shrinking. And the phrase of the week is recession fears. It's what you see in every banner, recession fears. Economists seem to be struggling to explain this weird economy, maybe the weirdest economy we ever lived through. People want to know, is this a recession or not? The White House is arguing about the definition of the term. The media is basically caught up in that debate as well. There's a lot of confusion about it. So let me bring in a guest that I've wanted to interview for a long time, Paul Krugman. He is, of course, the Nobel laureate and economist, a distinguished professor at the City University of New York's Graduate Center, and a longtime columnist for the New York Times. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Can we dispense with the recession debate real quick? Are we in a recession, and does the term matter? 
Uh, no, we aren't, and no, it doesn't. I mean, the uh, <laughs> one sentence that was it, huh? Yeah, that was it. It's it's uh, uh, none of the usual criteria that real experts use says that we're in a recession right now. And what does matter? What you know, the state of the economy is what it is. Uh, jobs are abundant, although maybe the job market is weakening. Inflation is high, though maybe inflation is coming down. What does it matter? Well, uh, an update on where we are currently uh, with gas prices. Uh, we have now been falling for almost seven straight weeks. Uh, as of this morning, gas prices have dropped 81 cents per gallon since their peak in June, as you'll see from the chart uh, to my left here. Uh, that means American families who, who, with two cars are saving $80 a month. Uh, drivers can now find gas for $399 uh, or less uh, at around half of all gas stations across the country, and average gasoline prices have come below $3.99 in 19 states. Putin's war is still putting pressure on global oil supply, but President Biden is taking historic action to mitigate its impacts on- A recession is when the gross domestic product re retreats, recedes for two consecutive quarters. That is the economic textbook definition of a recession. A recession is just two consecutive quarters of economic decline. Using just GDP, that's really what Brian Dees is talking about, um, is potentially antiquated. Every single time since 1948 that you've had back-to-back -back quarters of negative growth, you've had a recession. But that may not necessarily be the case this time. Actually, that's a misconception that two consecutive quarters of, of negative GDP growth means a recession. Two negative quarters of GDP growth does not necessarily mean that we're in a recession. Technically, this is not a recession. It's not really a recession. It's a lot more complicated than that. It is a complex economy. So many of the economic Fundamentals are strong. So many other parts of the economy are just still so strong. The jobs market has remained strong during the first half of the year. The job market remains robust, so it's tough to have a full-blown recession when you have so much of uh, the economy moving in the right direction. A recession is determined by a special independent committee of academic economists. We won't know if we're officially in a recession until an independent group of economists makes that call. Recessions are actually declared by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Actually, the National Bureau of Economic Research determines that. You know, one of the reasons that we should all be very careful about even using the word recession, you can't really even officially use that until the National Bureau of Economic With war veterans outside the Capitol demanding action, a long-awaited plan to expand medical benefits for service members headed toward passage, making it easier for vets sickened by toxic fumes from burn pits to get treatment. Susan Zier's son-in-law, Heath Robinson, died of lung cancer, she believes, from exposure to burn pits in Iraq. The first words out of the oncologist's mouth when he was giving him the diagnosis was, um, what the hell have you been exposed to? Veterans felt blindsided last week when Republicans unexpectedly blocked the burn pit legislation. They haven't met a veteran, they won't screw over. Their protest was powered by talk show host John Stewart. We see a lot of protests around here. Is yes. this one having more of an impact? If it takes this to get something so unbelievably low-hanging and common sense done? Holy God. What are we doing with the rest of it? Tonight, Republicans dropped their opposition. The veterans' service organizations will be pleased with the final result.
Veterans organizations tell CBS News this legislation could impact more than 3 million vets, including those exposed to toxins as far back as Vietnam. The president supports the bill, says he'll sign it as soon as it reaches his desk. John? Just breaking tonight, the Senate reaching a deal on a bill to expand health care benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan days after it was blocked by Republicans. Ali Vitali is at the Capitol. Ali, what more do we know about this? Lester, this comes after days of pressure from veterans and advocates, including John Stewart. The Senate tonight again taking up a bill that would expand health care access for vets suffering after exposure to toxic burn pits. Advocates were confident this bill would pass last week, given an earlier version passed the Senate in bipartisan fashion in June. But then 25 Republicans flipped their support. What would you say to these folks about how long this took? It shouldn't have taken this long. It never, we never should have had to do this to begin with, but here we are. Stewart telling me before the vote that veterans kept waiting while the Senate revisited this issue deserve an apology after days spent... Now to Capitol Hill, where congressional Democrats are racing to pass a climate and health care bill ahead of the August recess. The stakes are high, the margins are close. Congressional correspondent Rachel Scott is tracking it all. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning. It is down to the wire for Senate Democrats now scrambling to get this economic bill passed before they leave town for August recess on Friday. If they pull it off, it would be the largest investment in climate in U.S. history, putting $369 billion toward climate and energy initiatives, including tax credits for buying electric vehicles, a major investment in health care to lower premiums for Americans buying their own health insurance, and it would also lower the cost of medication for seniors. All of this would be paid for by increasing tax on big corporations and the wealthy. But this morning, it is unclear if Democrats have the votes they need to get it passed. They need the support of all 50 Senate Democrats. And right now, there's still one big holdout. Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona has not indicated if she plans to vote yes, George. And one of the big questions would be, what, what impact will this have on inflation? Yes, George, and it's in the name of the bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Democrats argue that it puts billions of dollars toward tackling the deficit, that it would help reduce inflation. But one outside analysis shows that it would slightly increase inflation until 2024 before bringing it back down, George. This week, the president on the verge of a major win. Democrats hoping to finally pass their budget deal that would allow Medicare to negotiate the price of prescription drugs, set a 15% corporate minimum tax, and make historic investments in clean energy. The Democrat, who stood in the way of the president's last legislative push, says independent tax experts promise the new bill will help tame record inflation. Now, I got this slide up, and I think it's really apropos if you look at there's so much proof. There's FBI, the DOD has released it. Trump gave order to make sure January 6th rally was safe. Pentagon memo. He put that out before it even happened. And we're still doing a January 6th. I mean, $1 billion. I've seen $3 billion of damage from the BLM stuff. But no, we're doing January 6th. There's even articles, the coordinated effort to prevent troop deployment before January 6th, and records show Liz Cheney was part of it. Guy Reflett, who brought a gun, didn't use it, didn't enter the Capitol, but had a gun there, 87 months in jail. 87 months.
Nobody served any time for BLM. Not 87 months. As the Wyoming primary election approached, Randy Kay asked local voters about Republican Liz Cheney's chance of re-election following her involvement in the House Select Committee investigation. Watch here, and I've been trying to get this soundbite. Let me see if I can grab this. Eh, it's taking me to fucking CNN. CNN has blocks on their shit. Let's listen just to, for a few. Let, let's do that. Let's turn the sound up. Let's just listen to a few sound bites of what people say. History does not remember blood. Commercial, the new uh they built the Gots coming out. And they were twenty third, that's why I pay for HBO even though I don't have a job. We are so dead. Why aren't they telling us? Sorry, I can't skip the fucking video. We'll do it live, goddammit! That's my Bill O'Reilly impression. Finish this thing! Let's go! At Frontier Days in Cheyenne, Wyoming, we found plenty of Republican voters bucking the Cheney name and vowing not to support Congresswoman Liz Cheney for a fourth term. Are you planning to vote for Liz Cheney? Can I cuss? Hell no. Are you planning to support Liz Cheney? Absolutely not. What are your thoughts about Liz Cheney running for a fourth term? Um, personally, I think she said for three too many. Keep in mind, in 2020, Donald Trump won about 70% of the vote in Wyoming. So Liz Cheney's work on the January 6th investigation isn't playing so well with many Wyoming voters. She's done us dirty. How so? Oh, God. Look at what, how she's done Trump. I'm a, I'm a Trump fan. I'm sorry. So she lost your vote because of her role on the January 6th committee and what she's yes. doing about Trump? Yes. She's supposed to be supporting him. She's a Republican, for crying out loud. I find her work on the January 6th committee just repulsive. How do you feel about her work on the January 6th committee and her role? It's all a hoax. It's all propaganda. has nothing to do with anything. It's a witch hunt. Well, she says she's defending what's important to people here in Wyoming, uh, upholding the rule of law, defending the Constitution. If that was the rule of law, why doesn't he have a defense team in that courtroom? Boom! That ain't the rule of law. That's a kangaroo court. That's not the Wyoming way. She has been an embarrassment. It's a witch hunt. Are you proud of her for taking on Donald Trump? No. Here in Cheyenne, more than 1,600 miles from Washington, D.C., almost everyone we spoke with told us they believe Liz Cheney is too focused on Donald Trump and the January 6th committee and not paying enough attention to what they believe matters to the people here in Wyoming. She doesn't know what her constituent, constituents want here anymore. Isn't that interesting? With the values of the people. I don't feel like she's... For a second, that's the same reason why I won't mar vote for Marsha Blackburn. I've been standing right in front of that woman talking about us losing our TRICARE, which the, the Obama administration started on the West Coast, and they were such outrage they stopped it and made us go on the fucking uh, Ob Obamacare. She had no idea. She represents mostly vets in her district. It's majority vets. But she doesn't give a fuck. She was too busy on fucking Morning Joe trying to suck ass. She supports her people here in Wyoming anymore. The things that she's voting for don't really reflect what the people here in Wyoming feel. 
Dean Dexter is one of just two Cheney supporters we found in the rodeo crowd. If they're going to bow down and kiss the ring, I think that I don't want that for my representative. I want somebody who, who has the Constitution first and foremost in their mind. We've talked to a lot of folks who say... I think we get the point. But then I found this, and that's why I put the slide up. How many of these hoaxes do you still believe in? Russia collusion, disproven. Steel dossier, totally bullshit. Russia paying bounties a U.S. soldier, bullshit. Trump called neo-Nazis fine people. Missing from this, he called uh, all Latinx or Mexicans savages, criminals, and rapists. Remember that? Trump suggested drinking injecting bleach. Trump overfed koi fish. Trump cleared protests with tear gas, a Bible photo op. Hunter laptop was Russian disinformation. Elections were fair because no court found major fraud. January 6th was an insurrection to overthrow the government. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the beast. Border Patrol agents whipped illegal border crossers. That's a mini list. It's just a mini list. Right now, don't say gay bill. That's not true. Women won't be able to have abortions because they overturn Roe. That's not true. It just went back to the ballot box. Putin's price hike. Putin's gas inflation. When we were already going into recession before. But yeah, January 6th is really important. One to three billion dollars of damage. Federal courthouses burned down. Police precincts burned down. Carnage like we've never seen. Nationwide, supported by the Democratic Party. They even bailed people out. There's been no committees. There's been no investigation. Nobody's looked at that. Where did all their finances go? Who paid for the buses that were proven to be moving these people around? But we don't cover that. We don't cover any of this shit. Crazed attacker stabs New York City man to death in front of wife. These are just a couple. Um, neighborhoods hire off-duty officers through crowdfunding in Minneapolis because they did defund the police. Three suspects accused in beating death of an Akron teenager outside I Promise School indicted on lesser charges. An Indian Indiana carjacking suspect was granted pretrial release. What happened next was a real curveball because he went back and did it again. The park guy. Do you remember the woman that got her life ruined because she said a black guy was with his dog were messing with her? It was national news. It was in our moment of reckoning where we need to realize that America's a racist piece of garbage. This is literally reporting people are doing. Remember Christopher Cooper, the man who was birdwatching in New York in 2020 when a woman called the police and him say he was threatening her? A viral video showed otherwise. Well, he's been hosting a 2023 National Geographic birdwatching show called Extraordinary Birders. And during it, 
He has had at least two physical altercations with dog owners in the same area of the Central Park within weeks of his encounter with Amy Cooper. Accounts are eerily similar, screaming, issuing threats, menacing, enticing dogs, ignoring requests that he stop, giving intimidation and harassment. There's been no follow-up. Cooper's done. Done. Think about the immigrants. You see the buses deliver them to D.C. and other cities from Arizona and Texas. You never saw the airplanes dumping people in red districts all over the country using federal money, which is illegal. I'm shooting for three. Kavanaugh assassin planned to target at least two other justices to over Roe. There was no... There was no coverage. There was nothing. Jane's revenge. You think there's an FBI investigation into that? No. The right is freaking out about Jane's revenge, but what is it? And it's in Vice, and it's a glowing article about how they're just women fighting for women's rights. And the worst you can get, the only thing you can find lately on Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden had a high-end income and lavish lifestyle, but he struggled with tax issues for years. There's no, nothing. They've admitted it's real, but there's, there's nothing. No investigative journaling, no lost tapes. None of this. It'll it'll never come to light. Because they're on the same team. And once again, because it's midterm time, I was going to make a new bumper, but I didn't. I'll just use our media jerk-off. Here is the media. Six sound bites of them just carrying water and spinning things as positively as they can to once again get Democrats over the hump. Miami politics, the media jerk off of the week. death toll in Kentucky flooding is rising again this morning. The number now is 26 dead as the effects of the climate crisis continue to wreak havoc around the world. In Australia, the new prime minister has pledged to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050, but is the rest of the world on board? Joining me now, the prime minister of Australia, Anthony Albanese. Thank you so much for joining me. The climate crisis is here. And I guess the question I have, by the time world leaders uh, including India and China and the United States, uh, all get together and agree to do something significant, won't it be too late? In 1996, after 35 Australians were killed in a mass shooting, your country's government took immediate action. You implemented a gun buyback. You banned semi-automatic rifles. You passed strict new gun regulations. What has it been like to watch the United States struggle to address our all-too-frequent mass shootings and gun deaths from an outsider's perspective, especially given your country's experience? 
Well, every one of these tragedies is heartbreaking and every one of uh, these tragedies keeps reinforcing uh, as an outsider uh, the, uh, the fortunate position Australia's in of having these strong gun controls and, and the tragedy for the families affected uh, by these crimes. Uh, in Australia, we had a bipartisan response to the Port Arthur massacre, and we haven't had one since. And I'd just say that people should look at our experience. It's up to the United States as a sovereign nation uh, what direction it takes, of course. Uh, but the truth is that Australia's experience shows that uh, less, uh, less guns, particularly less automatic weapons, uh, the less crime occurs and the less tragedy occurs. Before we go, and on the speaking of sovereign nations, uh, Queen Elizabeth celebrated her Platinum Jubilee, Jubilee last month. At the time, you praised her leadership, but you also stressed that the relationship between the UK and Australia is now one of equals. You have previously voiced support for removing the Queen as Australia's head of state and becoming a republic. Now that you're prime minister, are you going to make that happen? What's your case for Democrats to keep control of the House and Senate this election year? I don't know. I just, if you look back through history, it makes it very difficult, especially in most uh, toxic times we've ever seen. So it's up in the air right now whether no, do the you, uh, House, right, it looks like the House. Would you say, like, do you hope Democrats keep control of the House and Senate? I think people are sick and tired of politics, Chuck. I really do. I think they're sick and tired of Democrats and Republicans fighting and feuding and holding pieces of legislation hostage because they didn't get what they wanted or something or someone might get credit for something. Why don't we start doing something for our country? Why don't we just say, this is good for right. America? I've always said the best politics is good government. Do something good, Chuck. But I, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen. I'm not asking you to I predict. I just want to make sure we do something good. And this is What result do you <laughs> want? Do you want the Democrats to keep control of the United States Senate and the House of Representatives? Oh, I love, uh, you know, I'm not making those choices or de decisions on that. I'm going to work with whatever I have. I've always said that. I think the Democrats have great candidates that are running. They're good people I've worked with. And I have a tremendous amount of respect and friendship with my Republican colleagues. So I can work on either side very easily. So you don't care so don't the outcome? I don't have a problem. You don't care about the, voters... the outcome this year of the election? Well, whatever, whatever, the voters, whatever the voters choose, I can't decide what's going to happen in Kansas or California or yeah. Texas. I really can't. I've always taken, taken the approach, whoever you send me, that's your representative, and I respect them. And I respect the state for the people they send, and I give it my best to work with them to do the best for my country. I don't play the politics. Joining us now to look at Axios AM, the co-founder of Axios, Mr. Mike Allen. Mike, good morning. What is the Axios One Big Thing today? Well, good morning. Happy August, Jonathan. And the Axios One Big Thing is Biden's winning streak. So you've been talking on the show about President Biden's legislative victories uh, uh, right over my shoulder here. But pull back the camera and we'll see that what those add up to over these two years is a rewiring of big parts of the American economy. So we just saw the new investments in uh, chip making in the U.S., early big investments in the U.S. capacity to uh, make vaccines, get ready for the next threat. Of course, the infrastructure bill. 
And uh, the interesting twist to this, Jonathan, is that there's an America first populist uh, streak to this. That is more oil drilling here, making more vaccines here. Uh, with a possible victory coming up, uh, more clean energy here, and possibly the biggest uh, in history. Now, uh, asterisk to this is that so far, President Biden doesn't seem to be getting a lot of credit for this. He hasn't explained it as well as he could. But when you add it up, it is a remarkable record. Yeah, and the president, of course, taking off uh, the field for at least a little bit right now while back in COVID isolation. His aides, though, hope that if indeed this reconciliation package goes through, uh, his poll numbers will start to go up. Uh, Mike, you detail a comparison, speaking of presidential comebacks, between President Biden and perhaps an unlikely presidential predecessor, Ronald Reagan. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the headline on Axios, we are Reagan. That's what a, a Biden confidant told me, and here's what they have in mind. Like you and I could say that President Biden has had a series of breaks after not being able to catch a break for a year, everything including baby formula winding up on his desk. The Biden view is that he is, uh, this is a payoff of vindication for playing the long game. So when that confidence said, we are Reagan, uh, well, their uh, extension of that was we had a big plan and it's getting in place. And what they say is that President Biden sticking to his bottom up, middle out strategy uh, for the economy rather than top down uh, has paid off, that they've stuck to that across all of their big issues. And Jonathan, they point us to a poll in the Washington Post, August 1982, 40 years ago, this month for the seasoned viewers out there, a Barry Sussman byline, one of the classics. And this was a poll with 58% of people in August 1982 saying that first term President Ronald Reagan shouldn't run again. And of course, there's a resonance to this. We've had a parade of polls, people saying that President Biden shouldn't run again, most notably the, uh, there's a new USA Today Suffolk University poll saying that two-thirds of voters don't think that either President Biden or former President Trump should run again. They don't watch the rematch. And of course, Jonathan, the punchline to this, less than two years after that poll, in 1984, Ronald Reagan won 49 states, uh, the most electoral votes of any presidential candidate in history. And Jonathan, here comes the asterisk. The president's inner circle may think of him as Reagan, but of course there's uh, a lot of data out there uh, showing great skepticism among voters. So let's talk the House. Uh, what could cause the Democrats to lose their majority? We talk to voters in all these districts, and when you put that together in the model, right now I'm going to show you how this just swings a little bit. You see, some of these seats go over the line. That would give the Republicans control at 230, currently, where things stand. Now, the reason for that, number one reason I'm going to show you, is voters say what's on their mind is the way they think things are just going in the country, and they think it's going badly. So it's not a red wave, but a win is still a win. Let's talk about some of the issues that could drive voters to the polls. Roe versus Wade, the January 6th hearings, could that help the Democrats? Okay, let's start with Roe versus Wade. I looked in particular at women under 50 because they're such an important part of the Democrats' base. Well, for them, they're saying the abortion issue is just as important as the economy and the inflation. And inflation. Now, look at what's going on with women registered voters generally. 
They think that a Republican majority would make things in the country worse for women, more so than better. All of this affects the Democratic base because Democrats need these votes. Well, what happens, Vlad? You look at the Democratic base saying that their party is not doing enough to protect abortion access. Mm -hmm. So Democrats still need to fire up that base and say they can do something about that issue they care about. Can the leader of the Democratic Party, that's President Biden, can he drive those voters to the polls? Okay, I want to show you a couple of things, Vlad. First of all, Joe Biden is a motivator, but he's a motivator for Republicans. Republicans. Look at this. Take a look at the former president against the current one. Wow, he's driving voters too, Donald Trump. Wouldn't be surprised if Democrats in this campaign. And it is the morning after election night in America where democracy was one of the things on the ballot. Primary races in five states setting the stage for what will be some of the most competitive races in November. In Michigan, CNN projecting Tudor Dixon has won the Republican primary for governor. Dixon, an election denier who received a late endorsement for Trump, will face Democratic incumbent Governor Gretchen Whitmer in November. In Arizona, where election deniers are all over the ballot, Carrie Lake is now leading Karen Taylor Robson in the GOP primary for governor. Robson was endorsed by Mike Pence while Lake was backed by Trump, and she is all in on the big lie. CNN has not called. Every subject, they're in lockstep or they're leading Democrats to where they want them to be. It's fucking embarrassing. It's not even remotely close to objective journalism anymore. And with the crime, you know, I'm going to put it as a lighter fare because it is just unbelievable that this is happening all over the country. Strategically tucked behind the counter, Cope whipped out his hidden shotgun and blasted the suspect in the arm. As the man took off, another camera captured this. The suspects, after nearly leaving one of their own behind, sped off in a black BMW X3. That wasn't national news. Comes in with an AR, he's a black man. That's why it wasn't national news. Gets blown away and the guy behind the counter had a heart attack. He survived. The crime is out of control. And it's by design. I don't care what they say. The inflation, the gas prices, this is all by design. Democrats, to succeed, must have the populist enslaved to them. Needing the government. Without the government, we can't live. That's all their policies, that's their goals, and they're succeeding because we have Republicans that are doing nothing to stop it. They're helping vote in shit that's just going to bankrupt this country. They don't fucking care. They care more what Twitter says. Twitter's really important. Meyer was one that lost his seat and... Jake Tapper talks shit about it. I said, I know you don't get out of your bubble and your world, but he was for this transgender shit. And the average American 
doesn't give a fuck about the transgender shit. Doesn't care what you do with your kid. We care what happens to our kids. The brainwashing and the athleticism that's taken away for girls now. But Jake Tapper, a guy you would think would be a normal dude, he's not super liberal. I know he was a staffer and he worked for Democrats before he got his big break, but you would think with his journey through the military, he'd understand, but he doesn't. He doesn't get it. None of them get it. They just don't understand what normal Americans feel, think, and want. I guarantee if Cheney wasn't doing January 6th, it'd be something else Wyomings wouldn't want. Because these people don't even live in their districts. They don't talk to their constituents. When they go back to their state, they go to a gated community or in the, a fenced-in ranch somewhere. They don't talk to anybody. They're of the opinion now, they're so important, we know what's best for you. Republicans are Democrats, Democrats are Republicans. Everybody in Washington now and everybody on the media thinks they, they know better than what you need for your life and they should be telling you how to live your life and that you don't listen to them makes you a malcontent. Or as they're calling now, ultra mega. Well, I guess they stopped that because they realized it was foolish. So here's a quick trans section before we close this pig out. Turn it up. For a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies, they love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big parade. Would you be able to answer this question on one of my tests for social psychology? Simple essay question, after going through privilege, what privilege is, giving examples of privilege, explaining how there are different types of privilege, like white privilege, male privilege, Christian privilege, able-bodied privilege, thin privilege, cisgender privilege, straight privilege, uh, and others. All right, so simple question I ask my students, essay question. Tell me one way that you have privilege. Tell me one type of privilege you have. Whoa, my makeup is all over the place today. All right. It still is. Anyway, I always am a mess. Tell me what kind of privilege you have. Explain how it's an example of privilege. And say how your life would be different if you didn't have that particular type of privilege. Would you be able to answer that question? Can you come up with a type of privilege you have? Are you able to say out loud and admit to yourself and to the world that you have that privilege? Because one thing I find is my students don't. Even when I have clearly explained what privilege is and how it doesn't mean your life has been easy, it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you have privilege, and still they just go, oh, no, I don't know. No, I don't have any privilege. Uh, the, the test question, a lot of students will leave it blank. It could be for a variety of reasons, not necessarily because they 
you know, don't don't understand or don't take the class seriously or anything. But I get, you know, I just get I get weak ass answers, you know, like, oh, well, I've got strong privilege. I've got smart privilege. You know, I'm like, you, you could have said you had white privilege. You could, you know, you could have said you had male privilege uh, at the very least, you know, because I'll have some students are like, look, uh, I am a black transgender individual. I don't have a whole lot of privilege. I'm like, okay, now here's the think about your life. Think about certain advantages that you have that you probably didn't notice that you have. And an example I often go with, I say, you know, even if you've got disabilities, you don't have all the disabilities. There's some disability that you would be lacking that you'd have privilege from not having that disability. You know, like, so, like, for example, if you are sighted, you can see, you don't need accommodations for that. You've never had to think about, oh, is the textbook going to be available in Braille? Am I going to get it on time for the semester? You know, that's just one, one of many examples I'll try to throw out. I'm like, just think, what sorts of privileges do you have? And they just don't want to do it. There's so much resistance. So I'm asking you, what sorts of privileges do you have? Can you own up to it? I'll start. I have white privilege for sure. I have cisgender, straight privilege. I have able-bodied privilege. Don't have thin privilege, but as someone who's just a mid-fat, not a larger, I know there are official terms, and I'm probably going to use the different terms, but the larger fat, and I think the larger categories, I'm not, I'm not there, you know. So I have privilege from being on the smaller end of fatness. I've got privilege. What are yours? My four-year-old had been having some gender exploration happening, which is perfectly fine, and doing dog food again. Um, that had been doing some gender exploration, which is, you know, we encourage that. If, if you don't feel like you are in the body you're supposed to be in, let us know. Uh, me and husband do. So, Mars had been questioning and exploring, um, and originally had said, you know, I'm a girl. Fine. You know, we went out and we bought dresses and jelly sandals and all the things that he likes. Um, or that he associated with being a girl, which is an interesting thing, how he formulated that. Um, anyways, we bought these things. Mars has worn them. Um, and the most recent event in Mars's gender exploration is that Mars has decided that they are actually a boy. Most days. Um, some days, they're a girl. Um, and then other days they just want to be a boy who likes girl things like dresses and jelly sandals. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, so yeah, we're just going to continue to fill it out. My dogs are being wild in the background because it is breakfast. But um, we're going to continue to fill it out and see what happens. And I think it's just really interesting to, to watch this little person grow and learn and, you know, be their own person. Her name is Britta Filter, and she is the Queen of New York! Yeah! I don't know if I'm being a bit extreme with this, but 
prior to 2016, I go in the supermarket and there's a person next to me. The, the clerk who checked me out, go to the doctor's office, talk to the receptionist, the doctor, go to the dentist, get my car fixed. I had no issue. Now, now, 2022, I'm looking at the receptionist at the doctor's office and wondering if she's a Trump supporter. I'm wondering if my mechanic voted for Trump. I don't want you fixing my motherfucking car, right? At the supermarket, the cashier who's ringing me through, did you vote for Trump? Because I don't want you ringing my shit up. My dentist, don't be drilling me, bitch, if you voted for Trump. Is anybody else like me? <laughs> taking this space so we need this to, is our event and i'm talking about i get it but so you're not going to tell me what i can or cannot do I, on no. this property i'm just letting you know that you're, or else what what do you do i'm not going to do anything okay then I, get out of the way That's insane, bro. That shit is crazy, bro. Don't leave those backpacks in the whips, man. Do you feel like abortion should be illegal? No, absolutely not. They should definitely be legal. I wish I was aborted sometimes. Community organizations to make and reserve slots at that clinic for members of the communities that have been most hardest hit, even within communities of gay men and other LGBTQ individuals. For example, um, Latinx men, Latino men in San Francisco are disproportionately impacted. So we're working with our community organizations to give them appointment slots where people don't have to wait in line and we are trying to achieve vaccine equity that way so everyone has a chance to get vaccine. Let's they brought it back to the states with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but now you have the states deciding you can't go to another state, which just flies in the face of what they're saying when they say a state. What about contraception? And that's the kind of stuff that happens in Cuba. That's the kind of stuff that happens in North Korea, where they don't let people right. travel out of, you know, out of those countries. But look, I, I do think the party has, uh, I think the party's gone crazy, frankly, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Because I, you know, I, and I think what they've decided to do is manufacture, because these are manufactured culture wars. 
wars. Mm -hmm. They are not real issues. What we're seeing in Florida, I can't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. This is a state where we have a housing crisis. This is a state where we have an insurance crisis. This is a state where we have a climate crisis. And instead, Ron DeSantis is focusing, to fo uh, uh, focusing on drag queens. And so listen, yes, do I think a five-year-old should be at a drag show? No. But you know what? If you are for parental choice when it comes to your kid wearing a mask to school, if you are for parental choice when it comes to your kid learning about slavery and learning the true history of this country, then why in the hell can't you be about parental choice on whether you take your kid to a drag show or not? Well, that's true. This is, you know, you're cherry-picking this. I'm, I, I, listen, I, I looked at the, at, the, at the top causes of uh, endangerment for children, of children's death. It's firearms. It's car accidents. You know, it's drowning. Right, it is Anna. not drag queen. You're I'm right, yet Anna. to see a kid who Go. dies. We got a lot of problems in our country. That, that's just some sawed-off shit. Everything in there is just shocking. It is so brainwashing. It is... It's otherworldly. And in Navarro, red states are just like Cuba and North Korea, claiming they're barring travel outside their borders. She then claims abortion is manufacture and not an issue. Drag shows are just a manufacture culture war. At least they don't bring guns. I can't get out of how miserable and whiny this woman is, and she encourages other moms to be the same. Leaving the house with the kids. I bring snacks, extra clothes, mittens, hats, kids' coats, bag of my stuff, drinks. My husband brings his keys. And all the comics are men are pieces of shit. Another thread on groomer. It's neo-Nazi. Grooming, the deliberate act of bringing a child into a sexual, political, or racial, ideological practice, cult, or lifestyle without the knowledge or consent of his or her parents for the aiming of isolating them from their families so the external party can abuse them and manipulate them. Tim Squirrel. I don't know if this has been made clear yet, so here we go. The groomer panic is ultimately tied to explicitly neo-Nazi ideology. Neo-Nazis believe that Jews are destroying the white race. One way they are doing this is to encourage a single global culture with a race as the distinction between ethnic groups and cultures. This is global homogenization or globo homo. The double entendre isn't coincidence. Global homo also includes the belief that Jews are encouraging white people to adopt queer identities as a way of reducing the white birth rate, encouraging degenerate behaviors that will undermine civilization. This goes on for 15 more traits, and it just says you're a Nazi if you don't believe little kids should go to see black man's balls in the picture. Yeah. And the problem is there are so many leaders that here's AOC. The people who change what people think are artists and drag queens. And let's not forget who threw that first break at Stonewall. Yes. You know, that is what led to us passing the Equality Act in the House in this term, marriage equality. It starts with you. I mean, you're patriots. You are. You are. You, you are. are patriots. Oh. And I'm so proud 
of you all. I'm so proud to live in this country with you and with your mother and with all of us as family. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, girl. We love you. That dude really wasn't trying his art very well because that was just a dude. Beloved San Francisco Fetish Festival. Still on despite worries about monkeypox. Beyonce's team has confirmed the offensive lyrics on the song Heated will be removed, explaining the word spaz was not used intentionally in a harmful way. Spazzing on that ass, spazzing on that ass. Some ableist words you would probably cut out of your vocabulary. Idiot, crazy, different abled, dumb, insane, lame, moron, psycho, spaz, specially abled, stupid. She said spaz and people got on her ass. ACLU will file amicus brief today urging the Supreme Court to protect universities to be able to consider race and just let BIPOC in. TV. Hello, friends. In film, I'm producer at NBC5 and I'm producing a commercial to showcase the diversity, equity, and inclusivity of our news team, news stories, and our community. We're looking for diverse and cultural backgrounds to be paid extra interacting with NBC station anchors and reporters. Non-union. We're looking for approximately 15 to 20 folks. A two-day shoot in Fort Worth f towards the end of the month. I don't even know what to say. Washington schools intentionally dangerously lie to parents about their child's identity and are still doing that. We'll just keep it our secret at school and let you go to the closet and change your clothes. Non-binary transgender social justice warrior and author is canceled by woke internet mob and labeled a war criminal after a job at defense giant Lockheed Martin was exposed. Jamel Hill. The third blackest city in America doesn't have a black representative in Congress. The dude's an Indian American. Here's a doctor that manipulates kids' genitalia. Puberty blockers, temporarily reversible, or temporary and reversible, no, they're not, are more benign than going through a puberty that can't be undone. If you can't see that, then you really need to reflect on your biases and whether you consider trans people at all when you form your opinion. Unless you're someone, doctor, or an intimate partner, their genitals are none of your business, actually. I'm sad to say this is a subtweet of so many things. San Diego schools teach staff about heterosexual and cisgendered privilege, which gives them institutional power. Media Matters shames Ali Beth Stuckey for suggesting alternatives to anti-LGBTQ slur groomer. It wasn't a slur, but now it is because they are grooming. Psychologically, it is important for the people we call white to assert dominance by attempting to humiliate non-Europeans. This reckless and irresponsible act by Pelosi is one of those exercises. The psychopathology of white supremacy could very well have the U.S. in another war because she went to Taiwan. She's a white supremacist now. 
a white supremacist. WAPO, Florida school official and teacher plagued by confusion and uncertainty about new laws. It's pretty simple. Don't talk about shit about your junk and who you fuck and how you see yourself. Which brings me to a two follow-up. I watched a movie called Heavens for Real about a little boy's true story. He had an appendix rupture and he basically had a near-life experience. And he came back to his pastor father and was talking about heaven and how he met people. Cute as shit movie. It's really good. When I came back and looked at the reviews... Doesn't matter if heaven's for real was the leading one from the Atlantic and mocking of people who believe in heaven. Just mockery. And it was a cute movie. And it's somewhat sad that a movie about a child who believes in heaven is considered crazy, but three-year-olds picking their gender is not crazy. That's our world right now. Babies picking their gender. Real thing. We've played the videos. It's crazy. It's just fucking loony bin. But that's what they want. That's how they pushed all this. This is how they're operating. Um, their sole thing is to brainwash little kids. Make them all be good little fucking... Liberals. That's their world. And it's kind of scary. Very fucking scary. One thing space-wise, you know I'm a geek for space, play a lot of space stuff. The Earth is f- actually flying faster. We've had the shortest days over the last three years. And they don't know why the Earth is flying faster. But eventually they'll have to adjust the atomic clocks to up to a second. Because it's happening. And to COVID. Now... I've shown some improvement over the last days. Um, I'm on new medicine, so I basically just take a shitload of medicine. That's the new thing, which I really don't like because it makes me constipated like a motherfucker. Um, So, I started doing some research, and... Development of COVID-19 vaccine utilizing gene therapy technology, which is why it doesn't work. And then NPR, millions of Americans have long COVID. Many of them are no longer working. And they interviewed a shitload of people that are me. Digestive problems, tired, lethargy, 
six, seven, eight, nine months. And I don't bring it up for sympathy because sympathy, I could find it myself between shit and syphilis in the fucking dictionary. But we were told those vaccines are supposed to protect us. And right now we got millions of people like me who are still sick. And we have a POTUS that has perpetual COVID and he's had the most shots you possibly can have. Three boosters. And it goes back to how do we trust our leaders when we're all facing this? We're all facing some form of turmoil in our life, be it inflation, gas, schools with the fucking CRT and fucking LGBTEIO, crime, the inability to get a new car, a job doesn't make enough money, but you can't find any other jobs. By now, we all know people who have gotten COVID. How do we trust anybody? Because when you look to the media, the experts are liberals. So whatever the point, we we have science, but science is now predicated on the answer they want. And then they work backwards to prove how they're right and you're wrong. We don't have truth anymore. And in my case right now, these doctors don't know what the fuck. They're just throwing pills at me. I got a nausea pill. I got two types of antacids. But I take a walk and swallow a bug and I'm nauseous. Woke up not nauseous last two days. Pretty cool. Went to bed not nauseous. That's kind of cool. But a bug set my stomach off again. A bug. I swallowed a bug. And my esophagus is so chewed up that it, there you are. You're sick again. Swallow something wrong. I ate some pretzels yesterday that had garlic and onion on them. I was sick for two hours. And it's just not me. And yeah, I'm stupid. I got the vaccine. I believed it was the right thing to do at the time because I was worried about my wife's health. And I figured if I go along with her, I'll get her healthy. I'll get the damn shot. Even though I knew in the back of my mind how I reacted to fucking anthrax, it wasn't going to go well. And it didn't. But... It is really hard for the majority of Americans right now to trust in anything. And for the first time in my life, I don't believe anything the government says. And I've never been that guy. I was a patriot. I believed my government. It didn't matter if it was Dem or conservative. It didn't fucking matter. It's a government. We have a great country. But we are manipulated so much by the media when Democrats are in power and uber manipulated when they're out of power to make sure we understand that whoever the president is or the conservatives that are in charge, they're all the devil. That we all go to our little bubbles and we stay in our little holes and we listen to a media. That's our media. It tells us what we want to hear. 
And then we research and have to work around Google trying to push us just to liberal answers to get the real. It took me 13 fucking searches to find the gene therapy article by a science journal. Because it was instantly, nope, not a gene therapy. It's a vaccine. And they're saying this while they know that it didn't work. None of them worked. Everybody ended up getting it. If you didn't get COVID-D like me, you got Omicron. And to this day, they won't even say that herd immunity is something. How do you trust? How do we get back to trust? Because for all of us now, whether you want to believe it or not, when your person is in charge... You believe more. You research less. If you watch your media, you believe more. You research less. It's not good. They always talk about truth. They always talk about misinformation, but truth and misinformation from them is just what they believe. It invariably comes back to it's just what you want to believe. Just look at every article or every Twitter or Facebook post that has to do with something against what they say. That stupid video of him walking away, and they never explain how he walked the fuck away. And this is the guy who's shaking ghost hands and done crazy shit. It had a Twitter warning. Because Reuters did it. But they never said, where did he go? Did he have to take a dump? He just walks away. That's the POTUS. His wife's speaking. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? And I know it's simpleton logic... But that's everything. It's just not that video. It is 100% a representation of every subject now. An opinion, a fact that goes against what they're saying is outlawed, smashed by social media, carried by fucking mainstream media but they never describe why there's never the why it's wrong it's just wrong it started with Hunter Biden's laptop it started with 2016 a rigged election and now we are to the laptop's real but it doesn't fucking matter and we're not going to investigate it And don't you talk about rigged election, even though I've played all sorts of sound bites. I've shown all sorts of fucking articles. People have gone to jail. Judges have overruled what towns are doing because they're illegally changing voting laws without passing laws. It's just like everything else. Pen and my freaking Blackberry. Obama shit. 
They're just making shit up. And it's everywhere. It's every fucking subject. They do what they want. And then they say the other party is tearing down establishments and institutions and destroying the fucking Constitution. They're the very same people who want to get rid of Electoral College, pack it. Why does Wyoming have two representatives? All that fucking shit we went through in 2016 when they didn't win. Now they're the people that are at a podium saying Texas moving people that are illegal that were allowed to come across the border to Washington, D.C. is meddling with immigration and they don't have the right when those same people had sanctuary cities. The very same people that say it's unconstitutional for the Supreme Court to say power to the people, they're going to vote on abortion are paying people to travel to their state to kill babies, no questions asked, even if it's crowning. And there's no arbiter. We don't have any referees. We have nobody that's going, no, that's wrong. That's hypocritical. But your party. We're going to a midterm to decide the course of the power of the legislative branch And a party has financed people that they say are a threat to democracy in hundreds of millions of dollars. And there's been maybe two or three reporters that said, why are you doing that? And there's such a threat, why? And now those people won because they believe those people are better for them, just like they believe Trump. And then when they win, we will have the very same people going, those people are insurrectionists. We need to repeat all of them. And the media will be writing op-eds like white Christian nationalism in the Congress. And there's no proof of it. There's no proof that they're white Christian nationalists. They just talk about God because they believe in God. And so do their constituents. Just like you talk about your religion, which is CRT and LGBT, EIIO, fucking ampersand backslash hashtag that's your religion and you talk about it in every fucking speech and when a republican talks about god they're white christian neo-nazi nationalists and the media is pushing it We have people trying to fucking assassinate Supreme Court justice. We have people harassing Supreme Court justices, and there's laws against it, and none of them are being prosecuted. We had people being bussed all over the country for the summer of 2020 to fucking destroy cities, kill people, beat people down. None of them went to jail. But a guy who carried a gun has got 87 months. People who walk through the Capitol are still incarcerated a year and a half later. No hearings on that. But hearings that are produced by mainstream media for a president you already impeached... are running through September with more 
more things. They're even bringing in his legal counsel, which is protected under executive privilege. In September, he'll be subpoenaed, or he's already subpoenaed. You cavity search people for failing to come to the Congress and the fucking list of people who failed to come to government hearings from the left are longer than my leg. You're running a fucking one-sided fucking hearing and we spent three days doing Benghazi where motherfuckers died and not a single U.S. airplane picked them up. And that was a dog and pony show, Kabuki Theater bullshit. But both sides were represented. Same people. Same people. And as I'm bumbling, stumbling, and fumbling through the end of this fucking podcast, they're now saying that the Dems are going to keep the Senate and they're doing the psyops to tell people not to come and vote. Everywhere. Everywhere. They're fortifying the election, which is synonymous with rigging another election. And Maricopa County still isn't done counting. And our new system, which is stop counting and manufacture fucking ballots. The very same people who have challenged every Republican president are now the people trying to hijack another fucking election so they don't lose power. And they're going to pass things. I mean, I didn't even talk about the burn pit because the burn pit act had a bunch of climate change strapped to it. But the media didn't say that. They put poison pills on it. They're talking about Republicans about to put poison pills on his another $400 billion useless fucking bill for climate change that will do nothing but feed the fucking pockets of the people that got him elected. We're fucked. We're unequivocally fucked. We're useless. We're broken. We're just broken. We are so broken, it scares me Because how do we get unbroken? You know, I thought a lot about 9-11 because Zawahiri got capped. And folks, if we had another 9-11 right now, we would just fall the fuck apart. We would do nothing about it, but we'd eat ourselves alive. Worse than we did there were the very same people who are telling you you need to respect the office of the President of the United States were saying George Bush and Cheney rigged explosives at night into the World Trade Center. Truthers were bigger than birthers, but you never heard about it. And when Van Jones was kicked out of Obama's agency as the climate guru it was partisan racism 
That's our country. And I'm at a loss on how to fix it. So your assignment is if you listen to my voice, the 50 people that do, use that login on the FOB podcast, click it and send me an email. How do we fix this? How do we fix this country? Where more and more you and I will have the IRS up our ass taking money, we'll lose our Trump tax cuts in this bill and pay more to the federal government who will then redistribute it to people they want to vote for them and hand out freebies to fucking illegals. How do we fix it? So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please go to FOPPodcast.com. Share it with your family and friends. There you'll find links to everything. I didn't update it last time. I will today. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the fucking yeah, yes. And tune in. I don't even know what day this is. We're way behind. So we'll probably shoot for Monday. Yeah, let's do Monday. Monday the 8th will be our next podcast. Give it a couple days to clear the deck, get new subjects. Sorry for the tirade at the end. But sometimes you just got to get it off your chest. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care.